Good morning, First Baptist. I'm excited just to be here to talk with you this morning, and I have a question for you starting off. Do you like to be in control? Are you that mom or that dad? Are you that person that calendars everything and you're in charge of your family's calendar and you know exactly what's coming up next and you know exactly what the next thing is your family needs to be at and when you need to leave and what you need to take? I like to be in control sometimes as well and I like to organize things, but how's that going for us right now? With everything going on in our world, with all the uncertainty going on, there's so much uncertain that it's if we like to be in control for that kind of person that likes to be in control, it's a little struggle right now. For instance, how did your spring break plans go? Probably didn't. How about taking your mom out to eat for Mother's Day? Also probably didn't happen. Things like that are happening. So we're going to talk about uncertainty in life. All uncertainty is not negative. Some of it is positive, but some of it is negative as well. And we're going to be in the book of Joshua verse. Um, one through nine of chapter one is where we're going to be at this morning. So I'd invite you to go ahead and turn there. And so uncertainty can come from several things in life. Right now, it's kind of what what is going on? What Where's the normal in all of this? And how do we even navigate what's going on in our lives right now? When I was planning and thinking about this sermon, it was intended to be just to graduates and the uncertainty of the future of what it looks like to be a college student or in the career or in the military. But now all of us can relate because we've been thrown into uncertainty individually. Um, it's not just college graduates right now or college um, freshmen that are in uncertain times, all of us, every one of us as adults. Um, and so there's so much uncertainty. It can come normally from things like maybe not being the person in charge of your work um, and your employer being in charge of basically your livelihood and making decisions that affect you. Um, with that sometimes comes job layoffs or promotions or things like that that you're not really in control of. And so just like the uncertainty of knowing what's going on um, can affect us. So it's not always negative. It can be a positive, like a job promotion. What is that going to look like? Maybe it's moving to a new area. Um, you're going to geographically move your family. Well, that's new. That's different. Where will I eat? Where will I get my hair cut? Can't do that now anyway. But you, all these things in life can bring uncertainty in our lives and make us just nervous about things. And so um, it can come from looking around at everything around us and just realizing everything's not okay right now, and I don't know how to navigate this. It's just weird, and what's next, and how do I do that? Um, it can come from um, a new relationship, which a good new relationship. It can come from uh, that, but it also can come from a relationship of a relationship loss. So you could lose a family member or a friend to death or divorce or any of those kind of things, and what, what does life look like on the other side of that? So uncertainty can come in relationships. For our high school students right now, it, they spent a lot of time of uncertainty this year figuring out where am I going to go to college. They put in applications and they wait and they wait and they wait some more. Or how am I going to pay for college? Can I get scholarships? And maybe some of you are still waiting on scholarships this very moment. It can come from um, a new baby. And what is that going to look like? How am I going to sleep? Am I going to sleep? How do I keep this thing alive that they're going to let me go down from the hospital with? Uncertainty is not always negative, but it is just, it can sometimes paralyze us. It can sometimes just make us so uncomfortable we don't know what to do. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. And Joshua 1, 1 through 9 is what we're going to talk about. Specifically, the passage that I'm talking about is a leadership change. And so from Moses to Joshua. And so that's the context of what we're talking about. But I believe we can use these principles um, in other ways. So for a new boss at work can be a good thing for you. 
art can be a bad thing. It could be a massive improvement over your previous employer, or they can make you do a bunch of busy work that doesn't help. You just don't know. It's uncertain. And so Moses was God's servant. Moses was um, in charge for 40 years of Israel, and he was in charge of taking these people um, and leading them around the wilderness. And so Moses was in charge, and he was this leader that everybody respected and looked up to, not without his faults. He messed up, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, but he um, prevented them from going to the promised land himself. And so not without his faults, but he was this respected leader. He was God's servant. And Joshua was going to take over after the lead of a 40-year-old, like a 40 um, tenured person that had been there 40 years leading. And so that's a big deal. Filling the shoes of someone um, who've been there for a long time is a big deal no matter what the context is. And so that's what's going on here. Um, and so we know from Deuteronomy 34 and then verse 1 of this book that we're about to read that Moses has died. So there's a change in leadership. So if you would look with me in verse 1 of Joshua 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. And so Moses is dead. Somebody else is going to be in charge. God um, has picked Joshua. Joshua is going to be in charge and lead his people. And everything that we're going to read is God talking to Joshua and encouraging him. God encouraging Joshua, you can do this. And here's how you can do this. So the first thing that I want us to look at that I think we can get through verses two through four is that God always delivers on his promises. I'll say that again. God always delivers on his promises. So verse two through three, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised Moses. So several things that I see from that. I see that Moses is dead. I see that God's telling Joshua to arise, to lead God's people over the Jordan into the land that God had promised them. I see that every place that your foot touches Joshua, God has given it to Israel. And I see that all of this is just as God had promised Moses and his people. So we can trust God and his promises that he will follow through in them. Um, and we can see this from this passage and many others. But um, these people have been promised this land. They've walked around forever. And now they're getting to go and enter into this land. So a question for you. Would you describe yourself as patient? Second question, would your family members describe you as patient? Sometimes people describe me as patient, and I'm confused by that because I'm not. Um, maybe they don't know what's going on under the surface, and like I'm freaking out, but I like to be in control. I want this stuff to be done for over 19 months ago. I, want to, I wanted it to be two weeks and done, and we're still not there. I'm not super patient. Um, God's people, they wandered around for a long time. Some of us struggle because we've been dealing with things for a long time. Some of y'all have family members that you've been praying for for a really long time to be saved. Some of y'all have health concerns that you're still praying for that haven't been rectified yet. Some of you um, have a job loss or you're looking for a new job and you needed a new job three months ago. Some of you are dealing with the financial implications with that. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty quick to say, God, I want out of this now. I don't want to wait around for what's next. I want this now because I'm just not good at being patient. Some of you have struggled with um, you're single um, and you don't want to be. 
you want to be married and you're looking for that spouse to come along and it hasn't happened yet. You haven't met them. Some of you um, have struggled and tried to have a child and dealt with infertility and had issues with that and you just struggle with wanting um, a baby and haven't been able to have one. Some of you college students feel like you waited forever and ever and ever um, to get that decision back, to get that email, to get that package in the mail this year from your your college. Some of you are, were waiting for scholarships and money. It's just, it's been something of uncertainty. And so God's people had to go through this in the land of Israel where they were waiting forever. And so Hebrews, um, I think, gives us a little bit of help there. Um, God's people have always um, kind of been in trial and been in things that, that strengthen their faith. And so Hebrews 11 um, one and two that we have here, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. God's people were strengthened by the things that God brought them through, just like we're strengthened by the things that God brings us through. Some of y'all have been a long time as Christians. Y'all have spent a lifetime of seeing God promise after promise after promise fulfilled. And your faith is so strong because God delivered yesterday. And remember that big thing that God delivered on for you that you struggled with forever and it was an impossible thing. God has done so much for you that your faith is so strong and little things don't bother you anymore because that faith has just been strengthened by the trials and adversity you've been through. And so we can just consistently rely on God that he'll fulfill his promises, both from reading his word, but just our personal experiences from understanding that too. And some of y'all have lived that life. And so in verse um, five and six, um, I'm going to pick up there in a second. I'm going to go through verse four first. Some of y'all are geography buffs, and this is kind of your thing. Um, I'm not. I didn't even take geography in high school. I avoided it. But um, verse four here, it says, from the wilderness and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. So you can go back and look the details of that up and all those, that area in the Mediterranean Sea area um, and figure out kind of the, the geographic boundaries. But kind of the point of all this is, is that God provided land for his people. God came through with his promise. He gave them this land. You look through the rest of the book of Joshua and how things are divided out, and you can see that, but God provided for his people, and he can be trusted in his promises, and that can give us encouragement today. The second thing that I want us to, to think about is not only can God be trusted in his promises, and we can get certainty from that, but I can trust God in uncertainty, knowing that God is with me on the journey. Knowing that God is with me in whatever I'm dealing with, I can receive just comfort and peace from that. God is with Joshua in this passage, and we're told that twice, and he's also with us as well. In verse 5 and 6, look with me. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. And we're going to cover verse 9 in a minute too, but we see that God is with his people. He's promising to be with Joshua. Something that I've found in life, that adversity breeds camaraderie. What does that mean? Sometimes in life we experience something that's negative or positive either way, but definitely the negative things that the people that we're in that circumstance with 
We're just bond, bonded to them in a special way. And so that can be a job. Maybe you um, have a bad stretch with your employer and you and your employees, um, fellow employees, just coworkers come together because y'all are just encouraging each other through that. And maybe you can look back on that and say, wow, remember this, when that happened, that was tough, but we were in it together. For soldiers, that's a common thing. They connect so much with people that they went to war with. They connect so much with those people because they were in a shared experience. And that shared experience bonded them closer. For um, a tragic or a life-changing event, sometimes that tragedy bonds people together, whether that's a car wreck or some bad thing that happened. And people that you met with, maybe the nurse that helped you, all those kind of things, just that tragedy kind of just bonds people together that maybe would have met or had anything in common any otherwise. And you and your family right now, y'all been with COVID-19, y'all have been together in your house and y'all love one another and every day is perfect and everything is right. Okay, maybe it's too soon for that. Maybe you're not sure about that. Maybe looking back, you can say that right now in the middle of it. Maybe you don't like the people you're in the house with, but in theory, at least, in the future, hopefully you can look back and know you spent this time with your family. So my point of all that is to say that these things that happen um, just bring us together. Let's think about marriage for a second. Some of y'all have been in marriage together and you and your spouse have been through some things. Y'all have been through health issues. Y'all have been through raising kids together. Y'all have done things together that those things just made your marriage stronger. Those things strengthened you in a way that if you wouldn't have went through them, you wouldn't be that close. Students, maybe some of y'all have been through some things in life that they were just tough, but your parents were there with you. Your parents were there for you, maybe a sibling too. And y'all experienced that together and your bond, your relationship with each other is closer because of that. Now, nobody stands up and said, please give me some trial so that I can be closer to this person. That's crazy, but it happens and life happens. So I kind of wanted to share a little bit of my um, story a little bit. Um, so I've been married six years and a couple of weeks. And so my wife's name's Kelly. And so we've been married for six years. A couple of things have happened in our marriage that I feel like have just made us like closer together. And I have asked permission, I promise, um, to share these things. And so we, at first, we planned a wedding. You know, that's stressful for those of y'all that have been through that. We planned a wedding while I was remodeling a house. They tell you not to do things like that in premarital counseling. On top of that, we were in five weddings in that summer, I believe. On top of that, within the first three years, we've remodeled two houses, moved completely out of state. That was probably not the smartest thing to do to my wife. Sorry about that, Kelly. Second thing, during that time period, um, in the first three years, really the first year and a half, my wife had back surgery. A 30-year-old super fit person who was exercising all the time goes down with a back issue out of nowhere. That was just weird. I was not expecting that when I said I do. Many of y'all have dealt with things like that. We bonded together. She had a little bell she rang for me to come get stuff for her. She was, um, I helped her through that, and I think she trusts me more because she knew that I provided for her during that time to help her out. Now, would we have wanted her to have back surgery? No. Would we have wanted to deal with all that? I'm certain she would say no. But through that, we were closer. Another thing that's happened that we haven't told a whole lot of people about, um, but give you a little bit of a timeline. We've been married almost six years. Our son's 21 months old. Our plan was after a year of marriage to have a kid. You can do the math and see that our plan didn't work out too well. One year into marriage, we wanted to start having a, 
um, trying to have a kid and it took multiple, multiple years. And the backstory to that is struggling with just this infertility issue behind the scenes and test after test after test, doctor, doctor, more tests. Oh, this looks okay. I don't see a problem here. Down to the final test, we find out the test results. The test results look like we could not have a kid. Everything was looking bad. The test results were just telling us that it was not likely at all that we we're gonna be able to get pregnant. We thought about adoption, but adoption was scary. It was super scary because of the expense of it. And during all that time period, we were just, we were in it together. I can remember the day taking off work and just spending time together that day when we heard from the doctor the results after that test procedure. Within a month, God did his thing the way he always does. Within a month, we went back for a different test, this one time in the hospital. The, the, it was supposed to be a, a test that if it went badly still, we would have to have a medical procedure to fix it. They went in, they did the test, and everything was clear. There was no problem. Within a month, we were pregnant with our son, Jackson. But through that, through those circumstances, we were growing closer together as a couple. Maybe the most recent one. Maybe some of y'all have dealt with this in your own marriage. I don't know if y'all know this, but you can't have a haircut. You haven't been able to do it for a while. It's about to open up, I believe, but it hasn't happened. I believe it's coming up. And so I let my wife cut my hair in my backyard, a COVID-19 haircut. You, I know if some of y'all have experienced that, would realize that letting your wife cut your hair is a whole lot of trust. In the middle of that, she says something like, oh, that's really short. That's gonna look bad. That was a really scary moment. But through this, we can now look back on this in the future and say, you let me cut my hair, your hair. Can you do it again? The answer is probably going to be no. But through that, we have just built more and more trust. In the same way, on a, um, just a much, much bigger level, we as Christians are, with, are in this world, this life together with other believers. But certainly more than that, just the comfort that we hear have from each other is the comfort we get from God. And having been in things with God, having our faith tested over and over by trials that happen, but God delivering in that, we know that we're certainly with God in it. So we should get great comfort from knowing that God is with us um, wherever we're going and whatever we're about to go to. So why did God say three times in this passage to be strong and courageous and don't be frightened? Joshua took over after a super well-known leader that was influential. Joshua was going to take God's people into the promised land. There would be battles. He wasn't just going to walk in there and just say, I'm in charge. We own the place. People had to be fought. People died. We all need a little encouragement when we look around the world and we don't recognize it or how to navigate it. And so we can be just comforted in this time knowing that God is with us. Um, college students that are about to go into the College in the fall, these graduating seniors this year, um, God is with you wherever you're going next and whatever's going to happen. For moms and dad out there that are struggling with sending their college students, God is with you wherever your students are going, whatever school they're going to, to help you in this next stage of life. So when Joshua was in God's will, nobody could stand before him. Everywhere that his foot stepped, God had given to him. God was with Joshua as he was with Moses, and God will not leave or forsake Joshua or us. The third thing I want us to talk about today is that God has given us his word to guide us. And so 
God has given us his, um, his promises that we can trust. He has given us his presence that we can trust in. But he's also given us his word to guide us. And so in verse 7 and 8, we see that. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be able to have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So several things out of that, we should be careful. And Joshua to be careful to follow God's word as given by Moses. Don't turn to the right or the left. Don't get off the path because that's where danger is. Um, consistently be reading God's word with Joshua. It was the book of the law and understanding what Moses has written. For us, it's um, the whole context of the Bible. So what is meditating? We have this weird sense of what meditation is. It's like we cease to exist so that we can empty everything out of our head. That's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about maybe getting distractions out of the way, but just focusing on what God's Word's telling us. What does that mean to me? Maybe getting distractions out of the way so I can think about it and just ponder on it and just what does this mean to me? How can I apply this? What did God say and how does that change what I'm doing? How does that change how I change my future? And so a why. Why should we read God's word? Why should Joshua follow what Moses had said? According to this, so that then you will make your way prosperous and you have good success wherever you go. So does that mean if I read God's word all the time that everything in my life is going to be perfect and I'm never going to have a problem? Some people preach that. But if we've read the Bible at all, we notice that people that are Christians, their life is a struggle a lot of time. We can look at many people's examples in the Bible and realize that a Christian life is not an easy one. It's not about everything being perfect. It's about God being with us when everything's messed up. It's about God being with us when the world is falling down around us. It's not like we're just going to be healthy and wealthy and not going to be in struggles. If that's your theology, I think you're going to struggle in life because you don't see that in Scripture, and we don't experience that in real life. So what are we talking about here? I found a quote that I think helps explain this a little bit. This guy's David Howard Jr. found his, this quote in a commentary and I thought it was good. The focus of people's endeavors is not to be prosperity and success, but rather holiness and obedience. What we should focus on is holiness and obedience. We should focus on our relationship with God because God is with us. The more time we spend with God, the more time we get to know God, the more we'll feel comforted and the more we'll feel close to Him in the times that we need Him because uncertainty is all around us. Another passage um, that I thought about was the one Psalm, not, Psalm 119, 105. Sorry about that. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do you need a light to go in your living room in the, in the middle of the night? Some of you have little kids. Those little kids have Legos. Y'all can all imagine and remember what it feels like to step on a Lego. Some of you have teenagers. Those teenagers, you go in their room, you're risking your life. You could fall on something. Who knows what's in the floor? You have no idea what you might step on. A lot of y'all might take the phone light on your um, the flashlight app on your phone and shine around so you can see. For me, my son's a little younger, so his Legos are a lot bigger. They're like the size of a brick. If I step on that, I'm going to break my ankle. I need to be able to see. In the same way in life, 
We need to be able to see what things cause problems. What are bad things that we can step on to the right, to the left? And God's word helps us to see that. By spending time in his word, hopefully we can avoid the mistakes of the people of the past that we read in scripture, learn from other people's mistakes. But hopefully we can just see problems that are just clear and there when we're in God's word and in his presence. And so um, a second passage that we have here, Second Peter says this, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and excellence. We all need to spend time in God's word because he has told us what we need to do to live a life of godliness. God's word doesn't answer every specific question that we may want to have answered, but his word gives us principles to understand the world by TVs didn't exist when God's word was written, but we can use principles from God's word on how we view TV, how we use cell phones, whatever it is in our life. God's word is not going to answer every specific, specific question. But the more time we spend studying that, the more we understand him. And the more we understand him, the more equipped we are to deal with these kind of things that have come up since then. And so God's word is another source for us of comfort in addition to his presence, in addition to his promises, that gives us courage to face the uncertainty that we see around us. And then in verse 9 of Joshua chapter 1, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So I'm convinced of several things in my own life. Um, I'm convinced that God is not as focused on the destination that I'm worried about me planning out every single detail, every possible thing that could go wrong, but me focusing on the relationship with him and me being not frightened and me being encouraged comes from me focusing on him instead of what I see around myself. So am I investing time in my relationship with him? Because fear is easy to to take over for us. Um, God even specifically told Joshua in this passage to arise. Don't be paralyzed by fear in life, but arise and do what God has promised him to do. And so um, just as I was preparing through this and thinking through this, a parallel passage just came to me. This is a passage that I've preached here before. I would be using this for the graduation um, ceremony. And here's some parallels to it. Um, The leader had died. In this case, I'm talking about the Great Commission, Matthew 28. Jesus had died. There was uncertainty around and there was confusion for his leaders, for the disciples, Um, There's no question that we can apply this passage to our lives today, and it should help us understand um, what we're supposed to do um, as we move forward. And I think it helps us with a little application in this as well. I'm going to read it a little bit at a time. It's up on the screen here for you. I'm going to read it from my Bible um, just to help me with the verse numbers. So uh, Matthew 28, 16, for the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. So the first thing that I, I would notice from this, and these would be bullet points if I was this was my main passage to preach on, that we need to be obedient. Um, we need to, even when we don't understand what's going on, we need to be obedient to the last thing Jesus told us to do, the last thing God told us to do. He told the disciples to go and they went. Things were weird for them. Their leader had just died. Even though he told them that was going to happen, I don't think they get it reading scripture. I don't think they got all that. And so in the moment, they showed up where Jesus told them to show up. 
they were obedient, even in their confusion, even in their uncertainty, they were still obedient to what Jesus had told them. Verse 17, the second thing I see, and this is huge, I can remember the moment when this was preached to me on a UNC Charlotte campus, um, and I remember the pastor who preached this, and it just totally changed my thoughts on some things. Verse 17, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Even in their doubt, even in their confusion, even they didn't understand what was all around them, they worshiped the God of the universe. They worshiped Jesus. How can we apply that? All of us around are probably a little confused right now. If not COVID-19, just life in general is confusing. How can we worship God knowing that we don't have it all in control? That's when we should worship God. The more time we spend worshiping God, the smaller we feel, which is actually a good thing because we realize how powerful God is. The more we worship Him, the more comfort I should get from knowing that He is with me, that He has given me His Word. The more I worship Him, the more I take my eyes off what's around me and I see how powerful He is and how good He is. And that worship, even my confusion and my doubt, helps me to keep moving forward. The third thing in verse 18 that I see is that He has given us all authority. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The authority of Jesus Christ is given from God and He's given that authority to us to verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So the command here is not to go. This passage is actually um, better translated as this. Having gone or as you go, make disciples. Well, how do we make disciples? It tells us by teaching them all that we've been commanded, all the word that we've been commanded, the truth, and baptizing those who come to faith. And the same promise that Joshua was given three times by God, Jesus gives to the disciples and to us. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We can apply those principles and that encouragement to our life, knowing that um, today, all of this and all the uncertainty of what's next in our life for the college student, that this sermon is really supposed to be um, directed at today. Originally, the freshman in college is who this was directed at, but it applies to all of us because we're all in uncertainty right now. Next year, when you go to college, next year, when you start your work life, next year, when you go to the military, Although those things are super exciting and there's lots of things, like I said, in uncertainty that are exciting, bringing a new baby home, a new job, a new address, a new location, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing, we can trust God. So how do we make this personal? God can be trusted wherever we're going next, to college, to life, to work, whatever it is. God can be trusted in whatever you're going to do. For the college student, God's going to be with you there on that campus. For the person that's moving into the work world or uh, the military, God's going to be with you wherever you are. God's promises can be trusted. For those of y'all that have lived a life at all of faith and um, just spent time with God, y'all realize that He's been trustworthy up to this point and He'll be trustworthy tomorrow and the next day and whatever you're going through next. Second thing is that God is with us wherever we go. The destination, as I'm about to talk about in a minute, the destination is not as important as that God's with you wherever you're going. As you're going, look around you. Where's God wanting to use you? How is he wanting to make disciples around you as you're going?
God has given us his word to guide our path. We need to spend time in God's word so that we recognize truth from falsehood. When you pick a new church, wherever you're going, freshman in college, um, wherever you're moving to, you need to look for somebody that's going to teach God's word. You need to spend time in God's word yourself. The destination is not as important as that God is with you. Um, I know as college students, you spend so much time as your junior and senior year in high school visiting all these schools, and you got to find the right one. you got to find the perfect one. But where you're going is not as important as that God is going to be with you wherever you're at. God can use you at Clemson or at USC or whichever school, the Citadel. Whichever school that you're going to, God can use you there. He can use you in the military. He can use you in the work world. And we can worship God even when all looks scary even when it looks like the world is caving in around us. That is actually the best time to worship God when we don't know what to do and we finally give our, give our concerns over to God and say, God, I'm not in control. And I'm finally realizing that. We worship him for who he is and we get a comfort and peace knowing that he can be worshiped and his worship, just worshiping him helps us so much. So I'm gonna pray for us, but I just want us to think about this next season of life for the parents that are sending off your um, high school seniors to college, um, people that have family members in nursing homes with health conditions, job losses, all the things, God can be trusted in all of that. And he wants us to just seek him and desire him and all that. And we don't know what's around the corner. God does. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity just to spend time together in our homes as we worship you, um, distant from each other in a very different scenario than these seniors in high school ever would have thought they would have been in their senior year of high school. But God, you can be trusted because you've always been trustworthy, because you are holy. God, you are with us wherever we're going. God, you've given us your word to be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path to direct us. And God, you're holy and perfect. We can worship you and should worship you. So God, I pray that you help us to worship you. Help us to understand your perfection. Help us to understand who you are. And God, I pray in these moments, as we're just spending time together, that you've just found something from this passage, even that I haven't even said, that you can help apply to these, um, to all of our lives, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I just want us to think about something as we're ending up here. With all these promises that I've given today are for those that are believers. If you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not had that personal relationship with him and you don't have access to God through Christ, please reach out to us because God wants to be with you in whatever's going on in your life. He's made a way for you to have access to him, to pray for him, and that is in Jesus Christ. As I mentioned before, you can reach out to us on our website, through email, um, call the church office. So I thank you so much for just being able to spend time with you today. And I just thank you so much for listening in. Have a good day.